Welcome back on Sports Talk. We are very pleased to talk with our next guest, Jill Ellis, who was head coach of the U.S. women's national soccer team for the past five years. Of course, winning back-to-back World Cup titles for the Americans in 2015 and 2019, earning two FIFA World Coach of the Year honors and the most wins in U.S. soccer history. And you probably know her first head coaching position was as the head coach here at Illinois for two seasons back in 1997 and 1998. Now she is serving as an ambassador for the United States Soccer Federation, promoting and developing the women's game both domestically around the world and probably polishing a few trophies from time to time as well. Last week it was announced that Jill Ellis will be the commencement speaker for the University of Illinois this May. She joins us now on the phone from her home. Jill, it's an honor to talk to you. Thanks for making some time. Oh, thanks so much. I'm uh, delighted to be on with you guys. You are coming back to the first place you were as a head coach. What made you jump at the opportunity? Well, gosh, I mean, I think first and foremost, when they asked me, I was like, seriously? Like, what a tremendous honor. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always excited to come back on a personal level uh, with, with some of the connections I made and obviously got my start. But, you know, I just think University of Illinois, I mean, uh, I love academia and, and to, to be the commencement speaker at such a fine institution, I think it's just a, a massive honor. So I'm very excited. You've got a little time yet. So uh, have you worked on the speech at all yet? <laughs> No, I mean, I was thinking major in college, so I think I'll be all right, but uh, but I was that kid that did it, you know, the night before the 20-page paper, so uh, no, I promise I will uh, <laughs> put a little more time and, uh, and thought into this, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just very excited, and uh, I think it'll be, a, it'll be a great point of both reflection and also, you know, messaging to uh, to the graduates, um, you know, it's an exciting time in their life, and uh, I want to make sure I give them some, some good thoughts. Your time at the U of I ended up being such a small slice of your coaching career, but it was your first head coaching position. What do you remember feeling about taking the job at Illinois and and entering into a new program? Well, I'd actually, you know, I'd actually been, I was a young head coach, but I'd actually been offered a couple of positions before Illinois, and and I turned those down because you just want it to be, um, you know, the right place. And when I went on campus and you know, just kind of got a feel for the university, you know, met with the administration in terms of what their goals were. And I think the the big draw was also that you kind of get to kind of paint your own canvas, so to speak. So, you know, starting a program from scratch, while it was a little bit daunting because um, I can't remember exactly when I was hired, but we had to put a team out in the Big Ten that season, like literally five, six months later. So it was kind of a daunting task, but again, the opportunity to kind of start your own program. And I think as a head coach, you know, ultimately be an assistant but when you have to make those big decisions those hard decisions um you need that experience and so you know illinois took a gamble on me and i just jumped to the chance um and it worked out pretty good we're talking with jill ellis world-renowned soccer coach and the first u of i soccer coach too in program history she'll be the commencement speaker in may Coach, obviously it's been a while since you, you coached the Illini, but uh, thinking back to your time in Champaign-Urbana, what are some memories that, that kind of stand out at all? Well, you know, I get asked actually a lot, you know, who's, who's sort of been role models for you? And, um, you know, I, I made some, some, some good connections there, but, um, you know, Ron Turner I still keep in touch with. He was a football coach there mm-hmm. at the time. And I always remember Long Kruger, his office was kind of down the hall from me. And I remember watching this guy, and usually, you know, football and basketball coaches, 
soccer's kind of down the totem pole in, in terms <laughs> of just, you know, the, the, the program and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're obviously brand new. But both these gentlemen, you know, took the time to get to know me. Uh, I remember watching Lon just kind of around the hallways. He knew the secretary's names. He knew the janitor's names. He knew the assistant coach's names in, in other sports. And it just always struck me, you know, what a here's a guy that's kind of, you know, a head coach, massive program, and yet he has the humility um, to know all the people around him that kind of help help him and help the university be successful. So it was a good lesson for me. You know, later on I got to meet Coach Wooden, and um, but I certainly think watching Lon work um, – left a mark on me in terms of just how you treat people and and not to not to forget everybody that contributes you know janet rayfield the longtime illinois coach here now and in, in charge of the program uh you rayfield's had a connection to u.s soccer for for quite some time i know she went over to france this summer just as a fan though just what's that like seeing yep. her have the success she's had at illinois and also kind of maintaining that connection with her with her role with uh, the u.s program well, I mean, she's, you know, first of all, she's an outstanding human being and an amazing coach. So, you know, I felt uh, I felt very uh, excited when I when I knew she was going to take the position at the University of Illinois. Cause you almost feel like you kind of give birth to something, you know, and you kind of want to make sure it's, it's in good hands. And Janet, is, you know, she's, she's world class. And it has allowed me to, because I know her, it has allowed me to kind of keep that connection and that fondness. Um, for the program and, and obviously for the university. But, yeah, Janet has extensive experience working with our both our youth national teams, scouting for our senior teams. Uh, just, you know, she's an icon in this woman. She's, uh, she's done it all as a player and as a coach. Um, you know, I, I, she sent me a nice text when she found out. She said, oh, I'm so excited. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to come back. And so, yeah, she's, she's very special and, and continued to, to grow and evolve the program there and it's done remarkably well. And you can feel free to spill any dirt you have on her here <laughs> as well. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> She's pretty wholesome. <laughs> you know, she is well-loved around the community, that, that's for sure. Uh, we're talking with Jill Ellis. I'm guessing back in 1997 when you were here, you could uh, go through an airport uh, unrecognized. I'm guessing that's not the case anymore. Uh, what's that? <laughs> what's yeah what's that transition been like for you um you know i read that uh, you, you know you you're a bit introverted you you don't necessarily seek the spotlight yeah i mean it was definitely you know i wanted to coach at that level and so you know unfortunately i've been an assistant in the 2008 and 2012 olympics so you, you you become very familiar with kind of the trappings of of the job and the expectations um but yeah i mean i think you know when you have a big a big team big personalities i think as a coach you know, you want to make sure you have the reins. Um, but it's not something that I, I sort of crave to be out front, but, you know, it's kind of that, I say, quiet leadership because there's always um, there's always something happening with the women's national team. But, uh, you know, I certainly, um, I, I grew in the position, meaning, I, you know, just as a person, just having to suddenly now, you know, a good friend of mine, she once said to me, you know, we're in a position on have a platform like this for, for women in sports and women coaching. It's important that you use your voice. It's important that you be visible. And it kind of shifted me then from being, you know, just now there's a responsibility in this position. So, you know, any chance I can talk to the young female coaches and I just did something for this female association called We Coach, um, I think that's important because now, you you know, you kind of um, achieved, you know, a position that's that's pretty um, notable and people want to kind of be that. So I think it's important for me to kind of connect and, and make sure I help young people have, nothing would be better than to have someone else have this journey. So that would kind of be the ultimate 
I think, legacy to help someone else achieve. Jill, as we're talking, it's National Girls and Women in Sports Day, so you bring up a good point. And you grew up in a time in England when it was just five years removed from when women didn't play soccer at all, and it was kind of a maybe a little bit of an out-there thing for you to come over to the United States and go play soccer. And now you're at the forefront of the national spotlight this past year. There's all kinds of new levels of exposure. There's obviously the equality issues and all that out there, but... You know, from where you sit, what do you see as, as the next step? You know, and what pride do you take in from where it's come and where you are now? You know, it, it is amazing. I mean, I just, you know, it's amazing on one hand, and yet there's so much work to be done on the other hand. You know, we're still, the numbers, you know, females coaching in, in colleges, uh, athletic directors, you know, there's still, we still need to encourage women to get into the sports field. It's still a domain. I think even, you know, I think even the business world, um, and boardrooms have made more strides, I think, even than sports. So I think there's much to be done. You know, an event like last summer, which was such a, a showcase for the world in terms of, you know, the, the global reach of this sport, because it wasn't just obviously domestically in the U.S., it was received very well worldwide. You know, again, the platform, you know, the voices, and, and ultimately what we want is investment. You know, we want to have organizations and, and companies recognize that this is such an amazing sport you know females in sport is such a powerful powerful thing to to bring those endorsements so for the bigger companies to, to kind of get on board and we've started to see that now in other countries where they've gotten sponsorship and the federations are more invested and so it truly has become the, the global game but but there's much to be done and i think you know it's it's not just having a conversation about it it's, you know it's seeing visible change and, and advocating for it you know, people are sort of saying, what do you, you know, what do you want to do? And I just, I kind of want, you know, be an agent for change is, is part of what I feel this responsibility is to, to help um, not just grow the game, but grow females and coaches um, and role models in the game. Obviously, in the, the World Cup final against the Netherlands, you're you're tuned in to, to what's going on in the field. But did you allow yourself a moment just to kind of maybe soak in the moment, maybe when the match was kind of in your guys' favor at all and, and just kind of really maybe almost just pinch yourself and, and just take in, the, take in the moment at all? Well, not until the final blue <laughs> because this is a freaking crazy sport. <laughs> like, holy cow. Like, so honestly, it was, it was probably after the, but before the medal ceremony, there's kind of a period of time where the, the players kind of did a lap around the stadium. Mm-hmm. I just literally kind of sat there. And I did because I think in 2015, I didn't really allow myself to, to enjoy it. It was, mm-hmm. you know, I was literally the next day I went back to work in terms of planning for the Olympics. So I, I was purposeful in, in making sure that I was able to share it, you know, with my family, my friends, um, and truly kind of take it all in because I just, you know, in terms of a, a world event, it was, it was amazing. I mean, just the, the fan support and the, the atmosphere and, it, you know, obviously winning is fantastic, but just the whole showcase of female uh, sports was, I think, amazing. Coach, what are the, I wouldn't maybe say challenges, but just the the intricacies that you deal with as a coach, especially this past summer when, you know, the worldwide attention is on your team and on your players and there's so much swirling about the team outside of, you know, what's going on in the matches and things like that. How did you just kind of deal with everything that, uh, you know, transpired this summer in France? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a couple of things. I think part part of it is just, you know, making sure in, in your personality and your makeup, you keep a steady hand, right, on the on the rudder, so to speak, because um, you want to really stay loyal and true to the to the principles that got you there. And I know a lot of people talk about processes, but 
as you go one game at a time, it really is leaning on the things that you've you've prepared you for this moment. And so, you know, I, I will say, I think we had, we obviously had a longer build-up to this World Cup than the previous one when I was hired. And I felt like our preparation, everything was from the the, the opponents we chose in the build-up to our tactical um, development and evolution to the personnel, the profiles, everything kind of just came together in terms of us just being very prepared. So when you get into that pressure cooker, it's your head is down, your focus. I mean, we, we said mission matters most. I mean, it was everybody was locked on. So even though, you know, there's, there's Twitter wars going on with one of my players <laughs> and the president, there's, there's equal pay, you know, uh, being chanted in the stadiums, the players are incredibly professional. And I think part of my job is just if you keep the routine regular and you don't suddenly um, – you know, distract your focus to something else or address something else. It wasn't something we talked about internally because we just all knew what we had to do and the task at hand was the next game, the next game. Mm-hmm. So I think it was part, you know, credit to just the staff and, and their um, resolve to stay focused and locked on and the players also to just recognize that, you know, it's, it's really all those things that come afterwards can be magnified tenfold if mm-hmm. we can go and win this thing. So they just just truly remembered why we were there. What's it like for you seeing uh, a player like Megan Rapino go from just being kind of a just a player on the national team to kind of becoming this this global icon and this source of inspiration for you know women and and just anyone all across the world? Just seeing her rise, you know, in these these last few years at all. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the people that have known Megan for a long time have known that, you know, it's it's who she is. And so it was almost, I kind of think I described it as like, I was like the perfect storm. You know, we had the, the Me Too movement, the Time's Up movement. You know, women suddenly came and found a voice. And then you had this global showcase of a World Cup and an outspoken individual and a team that, you know, recognized their, their ability to, you know, not just inspire others, but... You know, even players on the on the opponents' teams are, are, are sort of acknowledging and thanking this team for its, you know, its push for advocacy. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, for Megan, it was just it was like perfect timing of who she was and who she's always been, with suddenly this, um, you know, collision with just where we are in terms of you know women and, and being a focal point. And it was, and then the, the the World Cup was the perfect stage for it. So you know, it's. I mean, I think it's great in terms of just, um, again, I think people sort of said to you, you know, how, to me about how do you how do you sort of manage, you know, your players and is there a distraction of them speaking out? And what we have to remember is they are more than athletes. They are people. And just like you guys sit around with your family and talk about social issues, et cetera, so does this family. And so to suddenly, you know, again, keeping a steady hand, if you don't, if if things spill over and they start to affect performance, that one is a, that's when as a coach I think you've got to you know step in and address it. But if you know that the focus is there and you know that the performance is still there, then people expressing themselves, political views, social views, um, you know, again, it's just just part of part of the microcosm that is society is, is represented within a team. Sounds like a good commencement speech. <laughs> oh man! I should, oh, you guys recording it? <laughs> yeah, we're recording. We'll send it to you for a small fee, so you can. <laughs> uh, right on. Uh, what's this chapter of life for you about now that you've uh, stepped back from coaching? You're working in an ambassador position. Uh, something you see sort of as uh, a time for you to figure out next steps, or are you kind of clear in where your path is going here? 
No, I'm very much in that process. You know, I kind of said to someone the other day, it's like, when you know when you're in college and you don't know what the heck you're going to major in? It's kind of that moment that you feel ready and prepared. And I think ultimately, if, if I kind of stay true to who I am and what I like, I like a challenge. I like to build. Um, you know, so I, I kind of said to someone, you know, you've been to the top of Mount Everest a couple of times. Now you want to go climb a different summit, so to speak, metaphorically. So I, I've met a lot of interesting people. Um, a good friend of mine gave me some advice. He says, when you go through something intensive, just pause for a short period of time and uh, don't jump at the first thing. So, you know, I'm enjoying the role I'm in. You know, I'm talking to coaching education. I'm, uh, you know, helping raise money for, for coaching education scholarships, et cetera, et cetera, which has been fun. And then I'm also learning more about life outside of, you know, my world, which was soccer and uh, meeting phenomenally interesting people. So I'm not sure what's next yet. Other than my commencement speech this summer, <laughs> <laughs> I, I did read you have you have kept peacocks before. Is, is that a part of your world right now? <laughs> well, I got I got to clarify that. I don't keep them; they're wild. <laughs> so uh, otherwise, I, mean, I think the uh, the RSPCA will be all over my butt. No, no, they're wild. They live in the neighborhood, and um, yeah, when I bought the house, and the guy he said, "Oh, you know, I kind of feed them a little bit," and so you know, being competitive, I'm like, "Okay, I'm going to feed them." So. They come every so often and then come and get some, uh, they eat sunflower seeds, black or sunflower seeds. So, yeah, there's a, I literally have Noah's Ark here. I mean, I've got two stray cats living in my garage. I've got dogs. My daughter rescues everything that moves. So uh, <laughs> we really we have a growing, uh, a growing family, extended family. Well, as you may recall, here in Champaign-Urbana, we've still got squirrels. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> Yeah, I totally remember that. I, you know, there was a there was a pancake house, a breakfast house called Aunt Sonia's, and that was just like, oh my god! I used to have so many meetings there with my staff. We'd sit there, and we'd it was right, you know, very close to where my offices were, and just some of the lovely people. I mean, I still keep in touch with my my neighbors. I still keep in touch with um, you know my, my secretary when I was there, and mm-hmm. obviously Janet and her staff. So, still a lot of a lot of fun memories from back then. Well, Jill, we appreciate your time very much. You've been very gracious. And congrats again on becoming the commencement speaker this May. I'm sure it will be a hot ticket. Awesome. Well, I can't wait, and hopefully I'll uh, get to meet you guys in person. All right. Thanks, Coach.